You're listening to a podcast from River City Church of Jacksonville, Florida. For more audio and video podcasts, visit rccjacks.com. Last night, I, I posted on Facebook. I tried to tweet it, but it was too long. I posted on Facebook something that God's been saying to me. And um, it was this. If we want to see great moves of God, we must display great acts of faith. Prayer, love, mercy, and grace poured out in great measure by us, demonstrating that we believe that God is the source of our hope. And there's this, this thing inside of me lately that has been asking the question, or that has been, not asking the question, why aren't we experiencing more? It's more of like, I want to experience more. Like, I want to experience more power in my life. I want to see more healing in our church. Like, I want more people to come to faith. I want, I want to see God move more. And uh, I've just been praying over that and asking God for that. And, 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 um, and recently, he's been speaking to me about that. And this just kind of just came to me um, recently. And I'm going to, as I tell, kind of talk about today, because a lot of people, whenever they read that, they would say, oh, yeah, love, grace, and mercy. We need to go do this. We need to go do this. We need to pour out. We need to go do. But what I want to talk about today is that the most important thing we should be doing if we want to experience more of God, more of his power, more of his grace, more of a move of God, a revival of God, more of God's transformation in our communities or in our lives or with our children is pray, is intercession. And I want to talk about intercession today because as a doer, I really struggle. And I'm not like an expert when it comes to prayer and intercession. I'm like a doer. I'm an activator. And so like I see something that needs to get done. If it's a a kingdom of God thing or if it's a work thing or if it's a family thing or I need to cut my grass. It's like I go do it. I'm an activator. I like to do stuff. I have a hard time resting. And prayer is one of the things that I struggle with. And so a lot of the talk today is coming from Martha Palk. And so I just talked to her and she sent me some ideas and stuff because I don't know what I'm talking about. And Cheryl Williams has helped me too. And so like, if you don't like to talk today, talk to those ladies, all right? You can go after them and take them out, all right? Um, But um, I think that there is a relationship between what we say we believe and what we actually do. If we really believe something, I think we will do it. If we really believe in something, I think we'll do it. And if we're not doing it, there's a reason, there's a hitch in what we believe. And when it comes to intercession or praying, and this is how I would define intercession. I don't even know if this is right, but this is the way I think about intercession. Intercession is praying for others or things other than ourselves. Not that we can't intercede for ourselves, but we always do because we're selfish. So that's not what we're talking about today. We're talking about interceding and praying for things other than ourselves. Things bigger than ourselves, like the kingdom of God things that we believe that God loves and God values. That's what intercession is. That's how I'm going to define it today. And, and I think that we have to believe, if we're, if we're interceding for something, we believe that God has the power to change it, right? And we love what we're praying for. Those are the two things that have to exist for intercession to happen. We have to believe that God is powerful and he and he will change this, and we have to love what we're praying for. If we don't believe that God has the power to do it, guess what we're not going to do? Why? We're not going to pray to him. If we don't end, we're also not going to pray for things we don't love. We pray for what we love. I'll prove my point. What do you pray for the most? Myself. Because I love myself. We all love ourselves. Whenever we're having a bad day, we pray for ourselves. When we get hurt, we pray for ourselves. Whenever we didn't get into college, we pray for ourselves. 
All right? If you're married, who do you pray for the most besides yourself? Your spouse to control them. No, but you pray for your spouse, right? Because you love them the most. And if you're married and you have children, who do you pray for the most? Your children, right? I'm just making my point. I think it's obvious, right? And if you're single and you want to be married, who do you pray for the most? Who you're going to marry and yourself, right? We pray for what we love. And so either, if you're somebody who struggles with interceding for intercession, for praying of the, for the things of God, for his kingdom, and for other people, it's either because you don't believe that God has the power to change it, or that you don't love the things that God loves. And that's not like, I don't mean that to be like condemning. And the enemy would love for you to feel condemned and for you to feel bad about that. But that's not what this morning's about. This morning's about, I want more. I want more for you. I want more for our church. I want more for Jacksonville and the world. And I'm telling you, the way for more to happen in terms of the kingdom of God is through intercession, is for prayer. And I feel like God said, when I say this, when I say like, hey, God said this to me this week, what I mean is I was probably in the shower and I had a, like, this thought came to my mind and it just turned out to be like, oh, I think that might be God because it's way too smart for me to come up with it. And one of the things that God said to me in the shower this week was, what, <laughs> worship demonstrates how much you love God. Intercession demonstrates how much we love God's people. Worship demonstrates how much we love God. What we worship is what we love, you know, like as God has been good to us, as God has loved us, and we're, we have an amazing worship team that brings us into the presence of God. We experience his love for us. He's a good, good father. I'm a good, good child. And we worship as a response to God's love for us. We pray as a response to our love for others. We pray as a response for others as we love other people. And so if we're not praying for other people, this is my hitch. I can just be honest. My hitch is that I just, I struggle with how much I love the things of God and the things of other, you know, other people because I'm so consumed with the things that are in my world. I'm so busy with the things that are happening with me. I got four kids. I'm praying for all of them all the time. I'm praying for this. I'm praying for that. And so some of it is this reality of busyness or whatever, distraction. And so one of the things, one of the realities as I talk about practically praying is that Intercession is a discipline. Intercession, intercession is a choice. Intercession is something that comes out of the heart of God, but at, at some point, it's we have to obey. We have to choose to believe that God is who he says he is so that we then will pray for the things that he loves as we learn who he is. And I'm gonna explain more of that. In the Old Testament, we see this. Intercession is, is super important to God. I read some scary verses this week. I scary, scary verses, all right? And, uh, but I'm going to read them to you because they're going to scare you into praying. And, and, and you know, we, we say we, God doesn't use fear, but that is a lie. That is not true. God does use fear. So Jesus talks about hell to scare us into loving him, all right? Because he loves us so much, he wants us to love him. And perfect love does cast out all fear, but that's fear of the enemy. Fear of the Lord is a good thing. He gives us a scripture because he's a good, good father. And he wants us to know things that are important to him. So they become important to us because they give us life. It's his love for us that creates a holy fear in us that drive us towards him, to, to be in awe of him, to, to, to listen to his commands. We just talked about his boundaries a few weeks ago. In Ezekiel 22, and so this is what happens in Ezekiel 22 and these next things, is that like 
There's these intercessors in the Old Testament, prophets, priests, and kings that are filled with the Spirit of God that intercede for God's people so that they'll come back or that God will lead them towards him with kings. So pro- or, or priests will go and intercede for the, the sins of the people. So there's prophets, priests, and kings in the Old Testament filled with the Spirit to lead the people of God to God, to worship God, back to God, right? Because they're always turning away, away from God. But when the, there's a few points in scripture where God says, there's no more intercessors. There's no one praying for y'all and you're evil. So this is what I'm gonna do. This is what happens when people stop interceding, which is uh, hopefully is gonna be the first step in us realizing, oh man, I need to be interceding for the things that God loves and the things that he wants me to intercede for. This is Ezekiel 22, verse 29 to 31. The people of the land have practiced extortion and committed robbery. They have oppressed the poor and needy and have extorted from the sojourner without justice. Okay, so we're learning. Well, what are the things that are on the heart of God that we need to be interceding for? What are the things that matter to God? Justice, the poor, needy, right? Okay, so these are, so like, that's what's happening. And the opposite's happening in the land of Israel, okay? And he said, and I sought for a man among them who should build up the wall and stand in the breach before me in the land that I should not destroy it, but I found none. I looked for a man, I looked for somebody to stand in the gap and to intercede for my people in the midst of the wall being down, in the midst of there being brokenness in the land, in the midst of the extortion, in the midst of the, uh, of the slavery that my people are in. I looked for a man, I looked for somebody, a man or a woman, I looked for someone who would intercede for my people, who would stand in the gap, who would pray, who would crawl out to me, and I found no one. Therefore, I poured out my indignation, my wrath upon them. I have consumed them with my fire of my wrath. I have returned their way upon their head, declares the Lord. He's a good, good father, except in Ezekiel. Father, except in Ezekiel. When he pours out his wrath. I mean, come on. Look at the power of intercession. I looked for someone to stand in the gap. There was evil, there was brokenness, there was debauchery, there was sin going on. I can't have it. I can't stand it. I won't be a part of it. I will give you what you want. And we talked about this, that God will remove his hand and allow us to pursue the things that we want and will lead us He will allow us to find destruction. He will allow us to go down the path that we choose. And that's what happens here in Ezekiel. Because there wasn't anyone praying for the nation. Isaiah 59, 14, it says this. Justice is turned back. Again, who is God? He's about justice. Righteousness stands far away. There's no righteousness in the land. For truth has stumbled in the public squares. There's no truth. And uprightness cannot enter. Truth is lacking, and he, he who departs from evil makes himself a prey. The Lord, the Lord saw it, and it displeased him that there was no justice. He saw, and then it says this, he saw that there was no man or woman and wondered that there was no one to intercede. He, I mean, it takes a lot for the creator of the universe to wonder about something. And what was he wondering about? Where the heck are the intercessors? 
Where are the people who know my goodness and are crying out for my nation? Where are the people who know my faithfulness, who know my steadfast love, who know that I've walked with them, who know that I've delivered them from slavery? Where are my people? And that, it says that he wondered. A better word is, in the Greek, it says he was appalled. He was appalled is the best translation for that, and that's in the NIV. He was appalled that there was no one who remembered his love, his steadfastness, that he is a good, good father, that he can be trusted, that he does have the power. No one in the land was interceding. So what does God do? This is awesome. Who do we pray for? Who do we intercede for? That which we love the most, right? This is the next verse. Because God loves us, because we are his children, for his kingdom and for his glory, the next verse says this. Then his own arm brought him salvation and his righteousness upheld him. Then his own arm brought him salvation and his righteousness. Who does God, what does God do? He intercedes for us. Because there's no man or woman in the land. What does God do? He moves for us. He sends Jesus to intercede for us. And we see these prophecies in Isaiah 53, 12. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the many. Talking about Jesus now. And he shall divide the spoil with the strong because he poured out his soul to death, Jesus, and was numbered with the transgressors, sinners, all the things that we just read about. Yet he, and yet he bore the sin of many, and makes intercession for the transgressors. So what does God do? He intercedes, this is making my point, he intercedes for those he loves. Who does he love? He loves us, he loves his children. What does he do? Do, he sends Jesus, the perfect intercessor, to intercede for us. So God's communicating to us not only, not only his love for us, but how we experience his love is through intercession. Hebrews 7, 25 says this, this makes Jesus the guarantor of a better covenant. The former priests, priests, prophets, and kings, they all messed up. They all left. They all turned away in the end. The former priests were many in number because they were prevented by death from continuing in office. But he holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. Consequently, he is able to save the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for him. Oh my goodness. That is amazing. That Jesus lives to intercede for us. Jesus lives to intercede for you. Jesus lives to intercede. That's what, that's what he's doing right now. He's sitting at the right hand of the Father, interceding right now for you. And we see him talk to Peter. He says, Peter, I've been praying for you, bro. He's not saying like, I'm just in general interceding for the disciples. He's saying, Peter, I've been interceding for you. I mean, that's amazing to think that right now Jesus is interceding for you. And on the cross, when he's dying, his last words, just before he, just before he dies, not only is it finished, but Father, what is it? He intercedes. Father, forgive them for they know not what they're doing. His love, the love of the Father poured out on us through intercession, through prayer. Father, they don't know what they're doing. And then what happens? So we have an absence of intercessors in the Old Testament. Wrath, not good, comes, right? So God says, because of my love for you, I'm gonna give you an intercessor who's perfect, who will not fail. He's my son, Jesus Christ. He comes, he dies for us, he prays for us, he's interceding for us. But just before he goes in his 
his high priestly prayer. And just before he goes in John, starting in chapter 14 to 16, before the high priestly prayer in 17, he starts talking about the handoff. It's football season, and he hands us the ball. He hands us the ball, and he wants us to continue the work that he's begun in, in building his father's kingdom. And this is what he says in John 14. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me, believes that I have the power, believes that I am the, the, the creator, that I, that I am the son of God, believes in me, will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do, because I'm going to the Father. And then he says, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do. Whatever you ask, whatever you intercede in my name, I will do this. That the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Now, I'm not going to get into, well then, is this like a formula, Antley? You know, then I just need to pray, in the name of Jesus, can I get a hot tub? You know what I mean? <laughs> I love that commercial. Can I get a hot tub? In the name of Jesus, can I get a wife? I got a wife. Boom. No, but um, that's not what they're talking. That's not a formula, okay? <laughs> because we all, I know we've tried that. We pray for somebody and then we're like, in the name of Jesus. <laughs> I, said, I said the words. What's going on here? He's talking, it's not talking about a formula here. They're talking about praying in line with the will of God, Okay. And, so, and we're not, I'm not going to unpack that right now, but this, just know that that's not a formula, all right? Not, but we should be praying in the authority and the, and the power that Christ has given us, but he's given that to us now, okay? He's handed this to us. Now that Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father, he intercedes for us, but now he gives us the opportunity to participate with him in interceding for his children, interceding for the, th- the kingdom of God, interceding for the things that he began to establish, interceding for the things that are on the heart of God, and, and, and this farewell discourse in this, in this kind of section right here, he tells them that he will do what he asks, if they ask him seven different times, he tells them, if you ask, I'll do this. If you ask, I'll do this. If you ask, I will do this. Seven different times. He's clearly handing us the ball. And then he goes on to pray that we'd be unified in, in, in his high priestly prayer before he goes to heaven. He prays that as a church, we'd be unified. He prays that we would know the Father's love. He prays that we would be continuing the work of the kingdom. This is, this is simple, but it's hard. This is simple, but it's hard. This is James 5. This is just a great scripture on prayer. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Now we know that that's not the only way that God heals, but that's one of the ways God heals and we do that in our church. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Confess your sins, pray, you'll be healed. That is the formula. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. The prayer of a righteous person has great power when it is working, as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. He's a normal guy and and prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again and heaven gave rain. The earth bore its fruit. And so on one hand, we have this reality. 
God is a good, good father. He has lots of blessings. He desires to pour them out. He wants to build his kingdom. He wants to be glorified. He wants us to experience life to the full. It's waiting for us. It's in heaven. It's waiting for us. He's waiting and he wants to pour these things out on us. And then on earth, we have us. And God's saying, I've handed you the ball, Antley. Do you want to experience the things that I have for you? Do you want to experience my love? Do you want your children to experience my love? Do you want Jacksonville to experience my love? Do you want Riverside to experience my love and my power and my transformation? If you do, pray. And I will ask, whatever you ask in my name, I will give you. That's his promise, not mine. Those are his words, not mine. Intercession is how we bring the promises of heaven, the kingdom of heaven, to earth. How do we pray, Jesus? How do we pray? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus teaching us, this is how you intercede. This is what it looks like. Prayer is the instrument that God uses for his glory to do great things in the life of his children. The kingdom of God moves forward in us, in our cities, and in the world as we ask God to bring his rule and his reign into those arenas. So this is, I'm gonna give you, there's three points to intercession. I'm gonna try to keep them simple. And I am simplifying the whole process. And this is just, man, you could just study it and learn it and read about it and pray and practice and grow. This is something that you will grow in your whole life, okay? Because it's a journey, okay? And it begins, though, with intimacy. Imagine that, super pillar, of RCC, our first pillar, right? Intimacy with the Father. Intercession starts with God, knowing God, knowing his heart. We must know, this is all Martha stuff right now. So again, like if you don't agree with this, you just throat punch Martha. No, if somebody throat punched Martha, I think that we might kill you because she's just awesome and the church would, we would die without Martha, okay? Praying for us. All right, I mean, I'm just kidding. This is, this is great stuff. It, but it's just, Martha and I were, Texting and emailing back and forth. I was like, Martha, I got no talk. She's like, here. This is what she gave me. That's why I built it up a little bit. But this is what it says. She said it begins with intimacy. We must know, we must know who God is in order to be able to intercede according to his plan. Does that make sense? We must know who God is in order to intercede for his plan. At the heart of God's plan is God's heart. So we must know his heart, what is important to him, what he values, what his nature is, what his purposes are, what he loves, what he hates, which we learn from spending a lot of time with him. That's the only way we learn what is in the heart of God, what is on God's heart. We learn it by spending time in his presence, we learn it by spending time in his word, and we learn it by spending time with his people. We learn it by spitting. So how, how, do, how do you know? What's the first step in intercession? Understanding God's heart. How do we know the heart of God? By spending time in his presence, by spending time in his word, and by spending time with his people. Because we are the image bearers of God. And so we are each other's best help in understanding what God is like. There are things that I see in our staff that encourage me to know what God is like. There are things I see in my wife and my children and you. That tell me, this is what God's heart's like. Stories that you tell me, this is what God's heart's like. But the primary ways that, that, that God's heart is revealed to us is by spending time in the presence of his spirit, 
and by spending time in his word. And Jesus says this in those last few chapters of John. He says, I'm gonna go away, but it's okay. I'm gonna send someone to help you. And he's gonna remind you of everything that I've said, my word, and everything that I want to say to you that you're not ready to hear yet. So time in his presence, time in his word, and time with each other. If we're not spending time together in fellowship, studying his word, in his presence, we're gonna miss out on blind spots that we have. Our brothers and sisters in Christ reveal truth to us that we have a hard time seeing because of our sin, because of our brokenness and our stubbornness and our egos. And so we need each other. It's why, again, it's why we have city groups, folks. It's why we have small groups. If you're not in a small group, if you're not in a small group, if you're not in a small group, if you're not in a city group, there's a part of your, that you're, of your vision that's being, you're not seeing. This is how God has wired us to be in fellowship with each other, he's forcing us. He wants to force us into community. And maybe it's not a city group. Maybe it's a prayer triplet or maybe it's you know, someone that you meet up with or whatever. But you need people in your life that are helping you understand the heart of God. And, and, and so how do, I, how do I know if I'm spending enough time in intercession? Well, are you praying? That's the best limit test. Are you praying for other people? Are you falling more in love with God and the things of God? Are there people in your life that are helping you grow in your understanding of God's heart? And there are times when, and this came up in, in here today, and there are times when we just don't know what to pray. And as we spend time in God's presence, we spend time in his word, we spend time with other people, we start being compelled to pray for God. And there are times where the gift of tongues, we begin to pray in tongues. And it's, it's, it says the spirit in us cries out and groans that we can't understand. So one of the things, that, one of the fruit of the spirit, one of the things that happens, the gifts of the spirit begins to call out our spirit calls out. So when we don't know what to pray for, the spirit inside of us does. That's just the plug for tongues to go for it. We should eagerly seek all the gifts, especially the ones that freak us out that we're not used to, all right? The result is, though, as we know more of him, we take on his heart. This is what's so cool about God, right? So we get to know God. We take on his heart, which simply causes us to become intercessors. When we take on the heart of God, we begin to automatically pray for the things that are on his heart. We don't all of a sudden, we're like, got to wake up at three in the morning and pray for the things that are on the heart of God. No, 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 no. We're like, I wake up and I begin to pray for the things that are on the heart of God because I know his heart. His heart is living in me through the power of the spirit. And I begin to naturally pray for those things. And it might begin as a discipline, but eventually it will become a pattern in your life. Cheryl Williams says, intimacy leads to intercession and intercession leads to intimacy. As we become intimate with the father, It naturally leads us. When we get his heart in us, replaces our heart, and we become more filled with the spirit, more filled with the things that he's passionate about, more intimate with him, we begin to just pour out living water into the world. We begin to cry out the things of God to the world, just naturally. And as we begin to passionately intercede for his children, intercede for the things of the kingdom, what happens? We are drawn deeper in relationship with our Father. Our heart begins to break for the things that breaks the Father's heart. We begin to love, just naturally love the things that the Father loves because we're invested, we're interceding for those things. Number two, we have to pray for spiritual discernment. We must learn 
to know the Holy Spirit's voice in order to respond to what he is saying. Power comes from praying with the Spirit, not just to God. Power comes from praying with the Spirit, not just to God. So what's happening, I'm gonna sum this up at the end, is Jesus is interceding for the things of the Father, right? He's interceding for us. He's interceding for the things of the kingdom. Our job is to learn through the power of the Spirit what are the things that Jesus is interceding for. This morning, my, my cat, his name's Gator, but we call him Tumor now because he's got this big tumor in the back and so I call him Tumor. He's going to die soon. And he's got like a grapefruit-sized tumor, right? It started out like a little nodule, but it's like grown like crazy. And I was sitting there. I was looking at Tumor this morning. And I prayed. I prayed. I was like, Lord, it'd be great if you healed Tumor. And I was waiting. And I just had a sense like Jesus was like, yeah, I'm just not really going to do that, you know? It's not that I don't love cats, and if you're a cat and dog lover, I'm sorry, but my sense was in that moment, that's probably not what's on the heart of Jesus Christ, is my cat right now in heaven interceding. That There are other things that he's interceding for, and so I let it go and moved on. So my cat's going to die probably, but that's okay. But um, we must learn to discern, because power comes in interceding for the things that are on God's heart. In the name of Jesus, we pray for the things that Jesus is praying for. We need to learn to listen more than we talk when it comes to intercession because we want to be praying in line with the things of the Spirit. We want to be praying in things of line that are in line with God. Here's an example. I went to the hospital this week. I was visiting somebody who was in the hospital, and they, have a heart, they had a heart issue. They're having a heart issue, right? And so I walk into the room, and this is how I pray. I'm being like a super pastor, right? And so I'm like looking at the heart machine, BP, like rhythm, all these numbers. I'm like, in the name of Jesus, I pray 82 go down to 55. I pray that the tempo of their heart would go. I mean, I'm praying based on what I see, right? And I just, I mean, those were all truths. There were, there, those were things that God want. I mean, that, that we are created for, to have a normal heartbeat, to have a normal rhythm, for our lungs to be clear, for oxygen to come in, for our bodies to work, and that our cells would be, so I was praying all these things, right? I was praying with a, like a professional prayer. And, 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 and they were praying at the same time. And so, and they were just listening, and they were waiting. And so I waited. I stopped talking and responding to what I saw, and I waited. I put up my hand on his, on his chest, and I was waiting. And I had this picture of Jesus being right over him and, like, opening him up, and he's just looking right in at his heart. He's looking, like, right in at him. Like, the, not his physical heart, but at the heart. And I felt like Jesus said, I know exactly what needs to be done. I know what needs to be done. And so I just prayed. I, don't, I didn't know what needed to be done. I, I, was, I was praying for all the things that I thought needed to be done on the, on the monitor. But I said, Jesus, you know what needs to be done. Would you come and do it? Would you come and do it? And I left. I got home. I got a text from this person. They said, heart rate dropped from 100 to 75 when you left. Not because of anything I did. But I just prayed what I sensed Jesus wanted to do. And of course, like, I'm like denying it, which is what we do, right? Well, it wasn't me, da 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 being all fake humble and stuff. And, you know, but when God moves in us, we have to believe it. Does God have the power to do that? Yes. Then the power lives in me, then I pray as the Spirit leads me. So what was happening is Jesus was interceding. Jesus saw what needed to happen. Jesus was interceding. And I just said, I coupled with my prayers with him, and it was done in his name. And he went home the next day. Or the next day. Not sure that that day or the next day or whatever. But that's what happens when we ask for things in his name that are consistent with the things that he's asking for with the Father. But we won't know what those things are if we're always talking, if we're distracted by the monitor. 
If we're distracted by the things that we see, if we don't stop and listen, how will we know what to pray with the Spirit's praying? We won't. We might pray good things, but we won't pray God things. It's a good tweet. As we discern the Spirit, intercession requires us. It requires us to be patient. It requires us to take time. I mean, how many times like, my kids get hurt Want me to pray for you? Why? It never, it never works. I mean, how many times have we done that, right? It never works. Yeah, go ahead, Dad. Pray for me. And they just put their head down and you pray for them. And you're kind of like, okay, I've just got to do this because I'm his parent, right? And I'm going to pray for him or whatever. Because intercession takes time. And we don't want to take time. We don't want to wait. We don't want to listen. We just want to pray and get on to the next thing. Why? Because there's a part of us that doesn't really believe that God has the power. Because we know we love our kids. Number three, as we discern what the Spirit is saying, we not only have to pray, but we have to obey. And this will cost you. There's a point in intercession where I think God, as we're praying, as we're calling out, as he's breaking our heart for those around us, that he requires us to step into what he, you know, step into what he, he's doing. Not all the time, and this is where we have to be led by the Spirit. I, I want to give you an example. Um, but, and this is where that quote came from. If we want to see great uh, moves of God, we must display great acts of faith. Prayer, as we're praying, we then have to then choose to love, pour out mercy and grace in our life to the things that God's called us to pray for, by demonstrating that we believe that God is our hope, right? And so... This, the, this came to me in the shower because I woke up on Saturday morning to a doorbell of somebody who'd come to my house and were in, was in great need. they just gotten out of the hospital. They're in great need. And I had a choice. This is what I've been praying for. And I've been praying for this person that came to my house and, um, and, and I, I let him in. I'm helping him find a place to stay. This is my Saturday. This is my day off. This is the day I want to be with my kids and my family. They're, they're, and this person's let me down again and again. So I let him in, and I'm helping him find a place to stay, and I'm a, l- I'm a little bit frustrated, and I go into the shower, and God says, Antley, do you want to see me move in this person's life? That's what you've been praying for. If you do, then you need to pour out great acts of mercy and love and justice in their life. If you want to see what you've been praying for, what my heart breaks for, then you need to be obedient and not only pray, but you need to obey. And so it's not either or. And by the end of the day, I'd done some things with them. I'd found a place for them to stay. I'd taken them to Walmart to buy food and groceries and help them get a job and these different things. And I, and I, te- and I texted someone and I said to them, I said, what was a burden at the beginning of the day is now a blessing that I'm investing in. I'm waiting for the power of God to move. And so what was a burden? What was a pain in my butt at the beginning of the day that was taking life, what I felt like was taking life from me because I'd been interceding, because I obeyed and I had invested. I was invested now. I'm fasting, I'm praying, I'm giving things up that I think will remind me to give and pray for this person and give life to this person because I want to see a great power. It will take a, a great move of God in this person's life for them to be freed from what they're in. It will take a great move of God. And God said, if you want to see a great move of God, you better move in great ways, Antley. You better not just pray about it, but you better move with me, move with my spirit, love, pour out mercy and grace if you really want to see this. And so one of the questions I have 
as the church leader of River City Church, is this, folks. Do we really want to see God move? Do we really want to see the power of God move in the lives of our families and our children? Do we really want to see God move in Riverside? Do we really want to see God move in Jacksonville, in our country? Do we really, if we really want to see those things, then it will, it will require us to make sacrifices. It will require us to pour out great measures of not only prayer and intercession, but great, great measures of love, great measures of justice, great measures of mercy, great measures of grace. We have to move with God as he leads us, and it will cost us. If I'm honest, if you're honest, why don't we intercede more? Because it costs us. Because we're busy. Because we've got to work. Because we've got a family. If I were to ask any of you, do you think God has the power to change you? To change the situation? You would say yes. If I were to ask you, do you love the things of God? You would say yes. If we want the burdens in our life to become blessings that are waiting to happen as this power of God moves, we have to be willing to make sacrifices. We have to be willing to live differently than we're currently living. All right, I'm gonna end with this. In Psalm 115, 16, it says this, the, heaven, the heavens are the Lord's, this isn't going to be up there. But the earth is, the earth he has given to the children of man. The, heaven, the heavens are the Lord's heavens, but the earth he has given to the children of man. And ever since Adam, God's desire was that man cultivate on earth heaven. That man extends the boundaries of Eden on earth in every way. That God's rule and his reign, like he ruled and reigned in Eden, would extend on God's. And we've done amazing things. I mean, we got the iPhone 6. I mean, where'd that come from? That came out of garden. I mean, that came out of like nothing right? We've done amazing things with technology. We've done amazing things when it comes to our ingenuity. We've done amazing things with science. We've done amazing things with medicine. We've done amazing things, right? And, and we've worked hard to do that. We've put effort into doing that. Intercession is how we bring the things of heaven to earth, how we extend God's reign from heaven to earth. That is our responsibility. That is our primary call. Our call is to bring God's reign in heaven to earth, we should have the same diligence, the same creativity, the same persistence, the same discipline, the same sacrifice that we make every day to profit ourselves with money and with technology and with the things that we see. We should make that same effort in every way to bring and intercede for the things of heaven to come to earth. The power of heaven was given to the disciples. Jesus said so. You'll do greater things than me. Whatever you ask in my name, I will give it to you. And it has been given to us. He's been entrusted. He has entrusted it to us. The grace and the power of heaven wait for our prayers. We need to learn to listen to the Holy Spirit. Be led in prayer by the Holy Spirit. We then learn to pray God's heart. To intercede with Jesus for his children. Jesus brings these prayers along with our prayers to the Father. And the Father closed the church with righteousness, with justice, with grace, with healing, with mercy, and with power. But it doesn't happen without intercession. It does not happen without our prayer. He waits for our prayer to pour out heaven. Let's stand.